This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to check in with yourself, let alone identify what you need from yourself. I know that in my own life, having a regular time to check in with someone else who's going to ask me the hard questions, ask me about my week, ask me about what I'm thinking about, what priorities, what relationships might need to be realigned to create just a little bit more space for me to do my own work is so important. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills to check in on what's kind of cluttering up your mind to help you check in on the messages you're telling yourself, the things you might be subtly starting to believe about yourself or other people that need to be realigned. It can help you take those steps to set better boundaries and to become the best version of yourself. There are just so many reasons that we can all benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Best of You today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Best of You. Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Allison, and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past, and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Best of You podcast, where we are in a series all about friendship. And today is a really special episode, in part because we're celebrating a significant milestone. This past week, I found out that this podcast crossed 1 million downloads in just a little over a year. This is a mind-blowing number to me that so many of you each week are tuning in to listen as we talk about how to break free from painful patterns, mend the past, and become our true selves in God. When I started this podcast a little over a year ago, a couple of things were really important to me. Number one, first and foremost, I wanted to bring the best of psychology together with faith to talk about how we become the people that God wants us to become this side of heaven. As a clinician and as a person of faith, I see so many important ways in which both psychology and theology can inform us in practical ways to become more whole, and that healing starts now. But secondly, I wanted to bring my whole self to this podcast. I didn't want to pretend that I have it all figured out. I'm part of this journey with you. And it's really important to me to not only bring the best of what I study, of what I research, of what I know to be good, solid science and good, solid theology, but also to bring my whole self, which means to bring what's good and what's also still very much in progress. 
And so in today's episode, it felt apropos to bring on my three childhood friends, including my sister, to talk about how we've reconnected these past few years and how that reconnection has created such a foundation for health going forward. And so today's episode is really about those old friendships, how you can pull in and reconnect to old friends from the past, these old friends who help you connect to your sense of self in such a unique way, these friends who can remind you of aspects of yourself you may well have lost touch with, maybe your playfulness or your innocence, maybe a dream that you had or a gift or talent you had that somehow got buried along the way as things got hard. These are the folks who've stood by as you've grown and changed and navigated different life stages. They might understand your past, the place from which you came, the unique quirks or the unique values. They remind you that through all the seasons of life, you're still you. You're still that person you were before life maybe beat you down and got the best of you. You still have that precious younger you, that you that was full of dreams, that was full of optimism, that was full of hope is still in you. There's something so powerful and so grounding about coming together with a safe person who knew you in a different season of your life, where you look together at the pieces, maybe about what's hard, about some of the things that happened that maybe you didn't expect, that you didn't even know how to prepare yourself for back then, but you've survived. You've come out the other side now, and together you remind each other that you're still the same person in so many ways. Yes, you've grown wiser through some really hard things. Yes, there's a lot to grieve together. There's a lot that we didn't know how to anticipate, but here we are now. We've made it through some things. Let's take a minute to see where we've been, what we've come through, where we are now, and even more importantly, where we still have to get, where we still want to go, and what's still possible right? These old friends can come alongside us and be such a resource, such a gift as you look at who you were in the past, what you've survived, and where you are now. And you formulate a hope that takes all of that into account, all of who you were, of what's changed, of what you've survived, of where you are now now, so that as you look forward, you are grounded in a fuller, more whole picture of all of it, of the truth of what's been hard, of the wisdom you've now gained. You can find hope in looking back, even over what's been hard, not to dwell there, but to look back and scoop up the pieces and weave them together in a newer, more whole, more complete version of yourself that is a compilation of the past, of the present, and of the hope of what is yet to come. There is research that shows that very few friendships last seven years. Only 30%, in fact, 
But those that do tend to have what it takes to last a lifetime. So if you've got friends out there that have been friends of yours for seven years, even if you've lost touch, that's a strong foundation upon which to build. Research also shows that we can really only sustain about five intimate friends and only about 15 trusted friends, right? That's not that many. Those 15 might be some of those friends with whom you've lost touch, right? Maybe you see them on social media. Maybe you see them at the YMCA or at a church group or wherever, And maybe you've grown a little distant, but the trust is there. And research shows that it's not so much about quantity. It's not about having a massive amount of friends. It's about quality. It's about intentionality. It's about taking inventory. Who are those trusted people, whether from the past or from your current life? And how can you pull a few of them in closer to go even deeper and how being intentional about that is an incredibly important part of a healthy whole life. And so for today's episode, we're going to talk about these older friends, and I've invited three of my childhood friends onto the podcast, and we're going to share with you what we've learned as we've become intentional about reconvening these last few years. Today's three guests are my oldest and dearest childhood friends, Courtney Cook-Williamson, who's also my older sister, Ginny Ann Copsa-Becker and Rebecca Copsa-Becker. I still call her Becky. The four of us grew up together, essentially since birth. We were all born and raised in a small town in the Bighorn Mountains of Wyoming. Our parents were friends, and we went to the same Bible church from our earliest years. We would play for hours while our parents talked, and they'd throw all four of us in the back of a Pinto station wagon before there were seatbelt laws as we drove to church each week. We were all in different grades, so we had different friend groups apart from each other, but we stayed close throughout high school and had a lot of overlapping friends and things in common. But as adults, our lives diverged quite a bit. We moved away. We left our hometown. We went to colleges on opposite ends of the country. We pursued different careers and different paths to marriage and family. We stayed in touch a little bit, but were not nearly as involved in each other's day-to-day lives. But during the pandemic, we reconvened, just the four of us, to check in on who we are now as middle-aged women. We got together for the first time in Vermont several years ago and then in Texas this past year, each time for a long weekend. And the results of those two weekends were amazing to all of us. So much had changed and yet a lot had remained the same. And that's why I invited these friends and my sister on to share about our experience of reconnecting to each other after several decades and how powerful that's been in our own journeys toward wholeness. I hope this episode will spark your imagination as you consider some of your old friends and some of your new ones and how they've shaped your lives. Remember, you don't need a lot of friends, but you do need a few who know you deeply and intimately, and you can start at any time. 
So with that in mind, I am so delighted to bring you this episode with my dearest childhood friends and my sister, Courtney Cook-Williamson, Becky Copsa-Goodman, and Jenny Ann Copsa-Becker. I want to start, Courtney, with you because you were approaching your 50th birthday and you said to me, what I want for my birthday, what I want for this milestone is to get the four of us back together. So tell us a little bit about what was going on inside of you that led you to reconvene this group of the four of us. Yeah, so there was a confluence of events around my 50th that came together. And one of them was just a realization of, I'm kind of on the outlier of the faith-based community of the four of us. I'm not as active in the church, and I have many more, I think probably I'm guessing many more secular friends as a more secular lifestyle. And I'm also kind of on the outside of the sort of the Wyoming diaspora. I, you know, I've lived in New York City and Sydney, and I'm in Vermont. And as I was looking at 50, I was missing, honestly, both the sort of church connection or the faith-based connection and the connection to the West. You know, you guys are all out West and I'm not. And kind of thinking about like, what does it mean to look back on the first half or the first two thirds of my life? And the people who came up in my mind as I want to connect with and talk to and be with is the three of you and our friend, Michael Phillips, right? You know, so Michael passed in the late nineties. We couldn't have him, but you guys and Michael are the people who've known me best and known me the longest. And I just really wanted to use the, that birthday as an occasion to bring that back into being, to be honest. I remember when you told me that you'd been thinking a lot about who are my people? Who are my people? Where do I find people who get me? And so there was this backdrop of, oh, I want to be intentional about connecting to some of these people from my past that meant so much to me that you hadn't been in as good of touch with. So I had been to some degree in touch still with Becky and Ginny Ann. Becky and I lived in Denver, whereas you, because you were in Vermont for a variety of reasons, my sense is you had lost more touch. Is that accurate? And what was that about? Yeah, absolutely. I think that in some ways I have just relied upon you to tell me how the cops mm-hmm. were doing. Honestly, I think I consciously just counted on you to give me that news. And I was busy. I was working. I was, again, I was traveling. I was living in New York. I had gone through a divorce. I was raising my own kids. My kids are a little older than your guys' kids. And so I had just kind of outsourced that to you, frankly. And it just stopped making sense to outsource it to you because that's not connection. That's not keeping up. And I knew both Jeanne and Becky to be women that I respected and trusted and loved. And I actually started to honestly long to know more about them and their lives. And again, as I had an empty nest, I had more energy and interest and bandwidth to want to know what's going on with them. So Ginny Ann and Becky, what was it like for you when Courtney said, let's get the four of us back together? We hadn't seen each other in I don't know how long, all four of us together. What was that like for you guys? So I will just say that it was an email that Courtney wrote, an amazing email always, and she just threw it out there to us. I think she had talked to you, Allison, but then she just sent an email and said, this is what I want. This is what I am looking to get together. And are you in? (laughs) And I will say it wasn't anything that there were any hints that this would be coming. It was out of the blue, completely out of the blue. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. So immediately I would say that it tapped into a desire that had been long just setting there and maybe waiting for this very moment. Not necessarily one that there was 
an expectation that it was actually going to get to be met. But then when the opportunity came along, and I'm just speaking for myself, I was just like, I can't believe that we're going to, we're going to do this. And absolutely, like, can't even think of anything I want more. How long had it been Courtney and Jenny Ann? Because you guys were like best friends all through high school. The two of you were tight. How long had it been since you'd really meaningfully connected as adults? So I will say that probably we hadn't even yet fully connected as adults. Yeah. Because we circumstantially, our lives peeled off in just fast and opposite and full trajectories that weren't, there was no overlap. Jeannie and I both hit the rockiness of being an adult fast. Like I think it happened when I was 19, when Jeannie was 18, we didn't have a gentle glide into adulthood. We both hit adulthood fast. And we started coping from our late teenage years. And so, yeah, that's when the last time that we've got to be talking a lot and playing whist on the wrestling bus, calling each other Rhoda and Juanita. And we had connected around when Ginny Ann had gotten married and again around our friend's loss. But really, we launched into adulthood and didn't get a chance to keep up with each other. And that was a rupture, honestly. And I would say there was one small little foreshadowing, Allison, at your wedding. When the four of us, kind of minus you, because you were the one getting married, (laughs) but the three of us had this tiny little overlap that I think really did stir the pot for me in terms of growing that desire, even after the decades, thinking, look, this would be so amazing. How about for you, Becky? So you and I both lived in Denver into our adulthood. I even lived Mm -hmm. with you in your basement when you were (laughs) pregnant with... Jordan. That was a definite time of just, like you said, reconnection, even for a bit. And you being able to come to know my oldest daughter and then walk through some some of the days with getting ready to have my second and just kind of having the unfiltered home life (laughs) all around. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the fact that you guys let me into your home and live with you while you were literally seven months pregnant with your second (laughs) child was was amazing because I was going through my own rocky season. So my recollection for us, Becky, is after that time when we weren't in Denver together, we wouldn't talk a lot. But I remember distinctly, sometimes you and I would overlap in our hometown. And if I could get half a day with you, I remember sitting at like Hendrick Park And you and I could just, we had enough foundation. We could go deep and really maximize that time. And it did keep us a little bit in touch with each other's lives, even though it wasn't quantity. I would agree. And I think that's when it started to just really resonate with you and with Jenny Ann at that time. And now with all three of us, it's so much more the quality rather than the quantity. Just being able to have a little bit and just going into deep waters and feeling safe to do so. That's the through line to this whole thing of sort of what happened for 20 years is honestly, the things that did happen were deep waters, intense, you know, that quote, unfiltered home life. Even though we hadn't seen each other, each time we could connect, whether Allison having more, you guys had a little more than I did, we were immediately back into trust, realness, authenticity, support, resilience, all the real things. And I don't know about you guys, but the older I get and the longer I live, the more 
rare and special it is to be able to go there with someone. And I think that's what just kept happening. Even if it was five years apart, it still happened. What created that baseline of safety and trust that even when we were swooping in and out and getting glimpses, it allowed us then to prove it out after not necessarily seeing each other for 20 years? Well, I think that the foundational thing, I think two things, when you said that we were maybe more familial than anything else, I really do. Like when I picture you guys, I don't have you in the same pot as my next level friends. Okay. It really is foundational and it feels, it does, it feels like extended family or something. There's a very different bond there than the people that then came into my life later as friends, even as good of friends as they are. And we had all of the external common experiences, even though we had other friends and I think weren't even so much a foursome except for our early childhood years, it was super formative. And then when we swooped back decades later, I think that it was largely, we had been growing in wholeness separately and we were all primed and ready to bring who we had become into our foundational circumstantial friendships and then have them go forward into the future. And to that, I would add exactly that and the priming. And I think it's a little funny that I'm the one to say that is that honestly, that evangelical Christian upbringing, we were raised in that exegetical. We went to church together. We rode in the back of the Pinto to church every week. We understood we, we were meta from very young about how to be a good person, how to walk in, in Jesus's footsteps. All of that was just right in the mix from day one. And part of that family sense is like, who will we be? How will we grow? How will we develop? The other thing I don't want to miss saying is we had a just absolutely phenomenal Rocky Mountain upbringing, but it's just a beautiful setting that I think I find often that no one else understands what it's like to grow up in the Bighorn Mountains, you know? So, so you put all that together and then I would throw it to Becky and say, what else would you add to this kind of extraordinary connection? Just adding to the whole time that we got together, the invite, I think, from Courtney, from me being the youngest, it kind of brought me back to my young self a little bit to be excited that I got invited. You know, there was that bit of, I get to play with the big girls or, you know, whatever else, the older girls. And at the same time, very quickly understood because of the email and just as we were in correspondence that, like Jenny Ann mentioned and Courtney, that there's been a lot of years that have passed and a lot of growth and good things, hard things, more complete wholeness as a person. And I felt very much a part. So being welcomed, invited, that was something literal, but also that I felt like was meaning that we're going to be coming and didn't know what it was going to look like, but the openness was there. I just want to add to that, that invite triggered all of those the anticipation and the not knowing what we're getting into, we got there and no kidding, it was 100% safe. <laughs> it was 100% safe. Yeah. There was grace yeah. extended immediately for whatever was shared. And I think that everybody had grown to a place of being able to just fully hear and receive what the others were wanting to just put on the table. Which is kind of extraordinary because our lives had gone in very different directions. So, for example, Jenny Ann, you had six kids pretty quickly. That was an intense experience going into 
full-on parenting. And Courtney, your experience was very different from that. You had your two kids very young. You had gone through a divorce. Becky, you had gone through an adoption. You know, in my family, my husband had been widowed in many ways. We were each navigating very different lives. You know, I was single for a long time. You guys all got married way before me. There was just a lot of differences. So what was fascinating when we reconvened from my perspective was every single one of us on these very different life trajectories, including a different faith trajectory in some ways, we were all becoming more whole, right? And we wouldn't have been able to know that, but we were all doing the work. And that is what created the safety. It wasn't that we got together and we're like, oh, our lives were exactly alike. It was this commitment to healing, this commitment to trying to grow in our own selves, in our parenting selves, in our marriages, in our understanding of other people, in our understanding of the world, in the understanding of what's true and good and worth pursuing. It's all of those ingredients that created the safety, not so much that we overlapped in all the ways we'd been living our lives. Well, and Allison, just to add to that, that's the truth of the friendship in the time. And then let's just talk about, this was the year 2020, which is a polarized political time, and we're in the middle of COVID. So we had all had very disparate experiences and all came out in different places. I'm sure we all voted differently, and I'm sure we all had different points of view on vaccines, but it didn't matter because that safety was absolutely durable. And everyone has said the word wholeness so far, and that's it. It's honestly to do with doing that work toward wholeness. I think that's the thing I want to hear more from you guys about is what had we done that made it safe, even though we hadn't seen each other, even though the world was polarized, even though we surely could have been polarized. There was a lot of reasons why we might have felt odd with each other, but we didn't. So what happened? What was new? I honestly think about this often. Well, I think that for me, my journey had taken me in far enough to get to know my own vulnerabilities, weaknesses, shortcomings, brokenness, all the words, enough, not that that's over, <laughs> ever, but enough where I think we had all become safe people for other people who had similarly discovered those things about themselves. And then I would say that coming to Vermont and then our second gathering I would say that then this coming together, not that the wholeness progression is over, it's of course going to continue, but it really was something big and milestone-ish in my own wholeness journey. Because I think that it was a little bit of a tangible representation of how God knows us intimately and every single little detail. And it got represented in these three very different people looking at you across the table who heard and kind of filled out the picture and just being known intimately like that, I think was the next stage on the wholeness journey. I like how you're saying that because we grow as individuals and in community, we're each in our own communities, but there was something about coming back to the source the familial source. And sometimes people don't have that in their family of origin. Sometimes people don't have that in their childhood friends. But for us, coming back to the source of contextualizing. So for me, it's like, this is how I take myself to be now. 
And now I'm with these people who knew me when I was five, when I was seven, when I was 12, when I was 15. And what are the congruences? What hasn't changed? What has changed? There's something incredibly grounding about that. I think about in therapy, we do this work of having you imagine your five-year-old self and having you go back in the past and think of the ways that you interpreted events. And to be able to do that literally with the people who shared those events and those memories. We would go back to some of these childhood memories and I could tell we were all kind of putting pieces together about each other, but also putting pieces together about our own lives as we collectively looked at the big puzzle of our lives together. And that was just, I agree, that was formative. If you've got a busy schedule, it can be hard to get all your nutrients on the go, which is why I have been so excited to discover Organifi. Organifi makes it easy to fill your life with more nutrition using delicious superfood blends. Just add a scoop to a glass of water or your favorite beverage to energize and nourish your day with carefully selected vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. In the afternoon, instead of reaching for caffeine or a sugary snack, I grab the Organifi Red Juice, a delicious superfood punch that increases energy without the caffeine and only two grams of sugar. And my favorite is the Organifi Gold. It has turmeric and it's a delicious treat that also helps me sleep better. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods for less than $3 a day. Go to www.organifi.com backslash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com backslash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off any item. It's so frustrating to check a label only to find all sorts of hidden sugars, especially when it's vitamins for your kids. Haya vitamins are made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet they taste great and are perfect for picky eaters. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. The bright yellow bottle, complete with stickers and great taste, makes taking vitamins fun for kids of all ages. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash best of you. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash best of you and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. To give a concrete example, a moment when we were all together at my house in Vermont, I think it was probably day two and a half or maybe three, I don't know. I actually, I think it was maybe Rebecca or Allison. We started talking about what are our family traditions? And, you know, I, I look in on your guys' lives and I, and any of these intact, let's, I don't love that phrase, but this intact families. And Becky was talking about rafting in the mountains and these ideas. And I was listening and it just, on the one hand, I feel so much joy about this. And then on the other hand, I feel sad because I had been divorced. And so I honestly, one of the things I said to you guys was I don't have traditions. I honestly, every Christmas, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I'll see my kids. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll see my kids in Thanksgiving. Maybe I won't. 
And that was to talk about safety. Like I had never actually been able to articulate or even honestly be aware that that was something that I don't even know if I'd use the word suffer, but I feel it. And in my ordinary life, I might not say that because you're not going to say to people, I don't have traditions. I just chill out and hope my kids come home. But with you guys, it was like, yeah, actually, unlike you, I don't really have traditions because divorce changes all that. And in that moment, I had both self-knowledge and also just a sense of being seen. And that made it easier. And so and there was I want to say there's probably I bet there's a dozen of those for each of us in that moment where you get to be who you are and then also feel seen in that moment. I love that. That rings very true for me. For me, that happened in our second gathering. So we did this first gathering and it was just, it kind of blew all of our minds. It was so intense. I think we all went home and had to sleep for like a week afterward, but it was the good kind of intensity. So we thought we need to be doing this now regularly, right? We need to figure out how to stay in each other's lives because this is important. And so we had a second gathering and at this gathering, I had been invited to speak at a conference and it was very representative of my quote unquote new life in a sense of doing some of this more public-facing speaking, some of this more public-facing writing that can sometimes feel disjointed inside of me. And so to immediately go from that into the safety of our foursome, where you guys knew me when I was just like pounding Dr. Peppers and Tombstone Pizza, you know, whatever, Uh. you know, Becky and I (laughs) were cruising up and down Main Street. That was just the joy of our lives. And it just was so, I was like, I haven't changed. Nothing has changed. And there are nobody's opinions in the world. I mean, this is going to bring tears to my eyes. There are nobody's opinions in the world that I value more than the three of yours. And if I'm good in this group, I'm good. And that was for me extremely just, it brought this incongruence of what it felt like kind of some of my life now and some of my life then into that wholeness, into that, oh no, I'm the same person and just crystallized that for me. And that was really, really profound for me. When I return home following both weekends, I just shared with my family how I felt like it was just a retreat of sorts. And the retreat being that there was just so much good laughter. There was also sharing and there was a lot of dancing. And just it was a place I felt like I did as a child. I could just be myself. And I knew that as a child, I could be myself around these three. And then it was so remarkable to be meeting up with you guys, you know, in Vermont and later on in our next place where I thought I just am not holding anything back. And that is, that's really unique. And I knew that you guys were all, it was a safe place, a trusted place and continue to be. And this is the other thing that I just think I've been thinking about is as the youngest, I felt very protected and supported. And as just in, once again, the tangible sense and stuff when you're little. And then I got to thinking, well, I feel the same way in as an adult, but I'm hoping that can get exchanged too, that I can offer that to you guys too. But I feel like that's still there. And that was groundwork that happened many, many years ago. To me, that reminds me of what, when Kurt Thompson shared about how we take our friends with us in our neural networks, there's something physiological And it's remarkable to me, Becky, I feel that way about you when I'm with you because it's interesting listening to you talk about being the youngest because for those who don't know Becky of probably all four of us, she was this incredible college athlete, like formidable force. And yet because you were the youngest, (laughs) 
you're like excited that you got invited when by all empirical measures, you're probably by far and away, you know, the yeah, most. Yeah, we all looked up to Becky, actually. And Becky's a, she's a trained nurse. Like you're the person that sort of dispenses wisdom and calmness. So it, it, it is true how we, those roles kind of it change. Is. Yes. Yeah. And I feel it with, so you go into the little sister, but with you, Becky, I go into the oh, I'm okay. I'm okay because I have Becky. Because that's how I felt in high school. I'm like, I've got Becky. And we did not, I want to reiterate, we did. We were not part of, one of the things that's pretty cool about that foundation is we had different mm-hmm. friend groups. You had your own best friends. I had my own best mm-hmm. friends. But there was this feeling inside of me that to this day when I'm with you, I feel it, is I've got Becky, so I'll be okay. And it's just, it's so fascinating that we take that with us, that lived experience of somebody with yeah, us. So shared. But Allison, I have a question, and maybe it's, I probably shouldn't only address it to you, Allison, but I think of you as the expert in this. I feel like in some ways we are lucky. We have this, and there's some volition around tapping back in to it. But I guess my question is, how do you cultivate it if you don't have it? Because I I think that part of what we're talking about here is we all needed this connection in 2022, 2020. Like we needed, we felt like we needed that to get back to the grounding, the trust, the safety, the wholeness. And what does a person do if they don't just have their sister group? What is it about this that is something that we can take into our lives? Because I think we're hungry for it. I agree. I mean, I, I think our situation is sort of an extreme version of safety where it's literally from the womb. I will say I've had this experience with I have another friend since we've spent more time in the Big Horn Mountains I've reconnected with from high school. And it's a very similar, oh, we've each been on a growth path and that although we lost touch, those growth paths collide. I think any glimmer, as they say, any glimmer, if you think I'll say to my clients, I'll be like, when did you feel seen? When did you feel loved? Who was it? Was it a pastor? When you were 25, was it a grandparent? Was it an aunt? Was it someone when you moved to a town and they were just kind to you? Just look for that glimmer. It'll stand out to you. You feel it in your whole nervous system when there's safety and someone has seen you. And and usually people have some answer to that. Just someone that showed that's what we're moving toward. And if you can reconnect with that person, great. If you can't reconnect with that person, hold on to that feeling. What did that feel like? Let's identify what does it feel like when someone is really with you? And then we're going to work toward finding people who give you that feeling. Because the good news is you get it. You know what it is. And so now we're going to help you find folks. And when you do find that, because we just did a, an episode on new friends, I found it with a couple people very recently where you can go deep pretty fast when you know, oh, that's what I want. Well, and also in all this, I think that you then develop the ability to give that. Mm. And so you do tend to find each other, like people who can offer that you very quickly get this very definite response from people who are also able to connect at that level. I will say the childhood piece is just like, we we just got a special gift because truly just having somebody who gives you the permission to show your whole self to them and to then also allow that to evolve and grow. I don't know that there's a bigger gift on this earth. And that doesn't, that can start now with a new friendship. The fact that we got to do that with people who could have stayed attached to who we were. And even as amazing and beautiful as all that was, like, 
I think the biggest gift in all this for me was that all of you were fully on board with wanting to know who we've become and not keeping us in those spots as good as they were, but like we've all grown and we wanted to know each other in our current Mm. state. And as we're moving forward, I think that's the hugest gift of all this. That's it. That's the gift. It's to be known for that core childhood self, but we have all changed Mm -hmm. and grown and to be able to be seen. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. It's so nice. You're exactly Mm -hmm. right, Joanne. And it doesn't always happen that way. We could have reconnected. I'm sure we all have stories of reconnecting to folks from our past where there isn't that connection. Paths have Mm -hmm. dispersed. And just there's something valuable about connecting over past commonalities. But yeah, the gift of being able to get current and move forward with people. That's a good point. So do you think that this really could have happened separate from meeting together face to face? I was just going to say something similar, Becky, that there is a very real way to me that this feels like an IRL experience almost on the other side of 15 years of social media. Right. So so I'm sure I saw you guys on Facebook and then later on Instagram or whatever. And that's fine. And it created a simulacrum of, oh, I'm in touch with Janine and Becky. But of course, I was not. And who we are on social is just not who we are. Right. And and when you say that it was in real life, we sat around for days being with each other. And I think there's got to be no substitute for that. I think it's got to be crucial. Don't you guys think? I think so. Yes. That's a good point, because I was curious how, Courtney, I forgot about social media. Like, how were we in touch those 20 years, you know, because we did have updates on each other. Yeah. We kind of knew details, factoids about each other's lives, right? I wouldn't even say they don't even overlap. Honestly, for me, I feel like what we got to start and now have continued since the face-to-face Courtney's. And so now we are able to use Zoom and things because we went together and literally unstructured time. Yeah. Unstructured time. Yeah. Just being together. That's important. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a wedding, but it, I mean, it kind of matches a hybrid thing. Like we, I think we've spent together once it was 18 months, right? Once and then 18 months again later. And then yes. And then we have these scheduled zoom meetings and it's the combination that's made it real. I think that's gotta be a huge part of this. I, I know it is for me. And even pulling ourselves out of our context a little bit. I mean, one of the things I'm in awe of is both Janine and Becky in particular are just literally always on call to their amazing, brilliant children. And yet you are removed a little bit from that context and it lets us all be together. And I would just encourage people to, I mean, you're still moms, you're still busy people, but we did travel to be together twice. And I think that created a space that we needed to just kind of be who we really are and let down our hair metaphorically. For sure. And we both, I mean, originally when we went met the first time, it was a miracle that everything was timed and kids were taken care of and everything worked out to get together. And then I believe when we had the other opportunity, it was, let's do this. Let's just try one more time to see if this can work. And it did. And I think that because of the previous time, we all thought, okay, this is important. At least for me, speaking for myself, I thought I'm going to clear things to make whatever I can do to make this happen. Yeah. So I think that one of the things I was thinking about with that, Becky, is that, okay, so for me, the initial get together opened a whole new door. And so 
it took courage to take the risk to go try this, you know? Mm -hmm. But then once you do, right, then it really, it's just not something that we're going to be hesitant about. It's like, oh, I'm going to actually prioritize this now. I already know that the connection has been made and this is (laughs) life-giving, Clear the deck mm-hmm. for this. And I didn't say any of that well, yeah. but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, you, did, you did say it well. But I also think that we should maybe dwell for a moment yes. on the risk because I think we were yeah. speaking through this yeah. haze of, oh my gosh, this it is was amazing scary. for us. But it was scary it was. both times. It was scary both times. I know, Janine, when we met in Texas, like you had some stuff going on and you put yourself in that space. And I know for me, part of why it worked to have the original meeting in Vermont, again, I describe myself as kind of the outlier or the diaspora person. It helped that you guys came to me. It, that mm-hmm. that helped me as the divorced person or the person with maybe slightly, let's say, adjacent apostate tendencies. I think that we did all choose to be vulnerable and we met that challenge. And I, I don't want to underestimate that that does take courage and it was worth it. Mm. What was the risk with the second weekend? In my mind, it is along the lines of what if that was a one-off? What if that was just special? Can we replicate it? And my sense after the second weekend was we went even deeper. Yes. By a lot. It's like we went another layer. Yeah. I had less for the second. What about you guys, Janiana, Becky, for you? What was the risk in the second one? I think in the second one, I feel like I went a layer deeper. I think... The first time that we met up, I felt really the safety and the trust. But I think that that might have been more communicating and sharing about the years and my life and a little bit more of ruts around me. And I think that the second time was more of it's just me and the change and the growth that had happened with me personally. And I think that was definitely more vulnerable place. I agree with you, Becky. I think there was this we really went deeper into some of our own stuff. Mm-hmm. And shared pretty vulnerably. One of the things that was remarkable about that second gathering was, for me, was to really be a witness to, especially you, Courtney and Ginny Ann, talking about that season of life when you were 19 and 20 and your awareness of what the other one was going through, your pain that you couldn't be there for the other one. And really, that is where your guys' paths began to diverge, not because there was any animosity, not because there was any anger, but one of you used the word rupture, that there was just this inability. There was so much going on in each of your individual lives and that didn't overlap. And also that reduced your capacity to be there for each other. And there was this moment where you both were processing and I sensed, I'm not sure the exact words you used, but you were both circling back to that and repairing and naming. And I don't think either of you were holding anything against the other, but you were both naming regret You were naming this was hard and it was powerful in that room when you guys were circling back. And I think I just want to I'd love for you to talk about that, because I think for people listening, this happens. We go through seasons in life where we can't be there for somebody and we lose touch. I've had this happen with numerous friends. You know, I remember there was a season where I had a friend just disappear on me for years and it was painful. And I thought there's nothing. And then we circle back later and she tells me what was going on. And I'm like, I get it. You know, and I never held animosity at all, but sure, it hurt. I think this happens. And so to watch you guys enter back into that was really beautiful to me. Can you guys talk about that a little bit? I will say that it's one of those things in my life where I feel such a need to be able to just say 
the thing that I wish that I could have done differently with different people and specifically the privilege of getting to just say that to you, Courtney, and have the opportunity to express the sadness that still lingered, even though we've both grown and moved on. And that was a real gift. I think that's a, that's definitely one of the outcomes is very seldom in our lives do we actually get to go back and maybe have a little bit of a do-over. And I think there was a way in which both, I, I think all four of us, because what ended up happening was it was this thing that sort of nominally had happened both in Jeanne's life and my life, but Becky and Allison were also witness to it. So we ended up all, you got that four mini bystander view, which that's just a blessing. It doesn't happen very much, right? Where you can actually have a kind of a cathexis around, maybe to make it slightly less abstract, I, I'm maybe the most comfortable talking about. There were several different things that happen all around coming of age, but I got unexpectedly pregnant. I, got, I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19, I guess. And there was lots of events cascading from that. And we all tried to help each other and wanted to help each other. And it was quite a challenging time in the two Christian homes. Small town. Yeah. You were at, off at an Ivy League college, let's say. I mean, it was a bizarre set of circumstances. And the thing that I know now, which I didn't know then, was I had this public event, again, coming home from Dartmouth pregnant, which is certainly quite newsworthy. But of course, anytime something like that happens in a small community or, and in a friend group, everyone else has things going on too. And maybe they're a little more quiet and maybe they're hidden and maybe they've remained hidden. And so what this time allowed us to do was both recast what I had gone through honestly, much more integrated with what we were all going through, because of course we were all teenagers and we were all going through a learning process around our sexual selves and our Christian selves and our moral selves and our ethical selves and our relational selves. And when do you ever get to go back and reanalyze that stuff? It was really beautiful. And I would, again, if you don't have your cops or girls to do that with and your sister to do that with, I think finding someone to do that with is the essence of friendship. It can't happen on social media. It's something that we can intentionally do with each other. And it just gave me so much peace and strength. And then I also just want to say the combined wisdom from the three of you in this event was just so fun for me because now I have these powerful midlife women who know all kinds of things and have learned so much to draw from. And now I know that because we went through this thing where we talked about all these things we had learned. And I mean, what a resource. It's game changing for me. Yeah. I also want to add, I really do think that is what a good therapist does. A good therapist helps you. So I'm thinking of folks, if you're listening to this going, I don't have that friend, right? But that's what you're doing in the therapy room. You're retelling your story with someone else. There's a withness. There's a presence. There's somebody asking you questions, helping you see it from all these different angles, helping you untie the knots of the narratives you've told yourself, right? That's what therapy does. Friendship and therapy, they're not the same thing. They're not a substitute for each other, but there is overlap. And there's a way in which you get some of that benefit, that healing benefit with really good friends. You can go back to a really painful memory with some really safe people. And you also get some of that release, that nervous system calming that, oh my gosh, I'm known. And I'm seeing this from all these different angles. Definitely. It's just an extra over-the-top gift that we've been given to be able to actually go through this growth together, but not recognizing that most people don't have those relationships in place in their lives. It's not something to give up on pursuing. 
I've never felt anything so soft or luxurious as my Cozy Earth bamboo sheets. They transport me into what feels like a luxury experience every single night. Picture this. After a long summer day of exploring new horizons or conquering mountain trails, you retreat to the sanctuary of Cozy Earth's bedding. It's not just about comfort. It's about rejuvenation. Ensure your body gets the rest it craves no matter where your adventures take you. Say goodbye to restless nights and hello to revitalizing sleep, whether you're under the stars or amidst city lights. Adventure awaits this summer and Cozy Earth ensures you're equipped for every step of the journey. They're travel-friendly products packed in totes are the perfect companions for your adventures both near and far. And when it's time to relax during a long flight or a post-hike wind down, slip into Cozy Earth's temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew to stay cool, comfortable, and ready for whatever your adventure brings you next. Whether you're exploring distant lands or enjoying a staycation right at home, Cozy Earth has your back. My listeners have been given an exclusive 35% off with code best of you at cozyearth.com. Prioritize your well-being without sacrificing adventure this summer. Let Cozy Earth be your trusted companion on the path to health, fitness, and unforgettable experiences. Getting high-quality food and household essentials delivered right to my doorstep, whether it's my favorite Dave's Killer Bread, incredible wine, or seventh-generation cleaning supplies has been a game-changer for me. I love that Thrive Market only allows trusted, top-quality ingredients while restricting thousands of harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high-fructose corn syrup, and more. And with just a few clicks, I can filter out ingredients that I don't want, like gluten or high-sugar content, making it so easy to find the items I need for my family. Best of all, when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash best of you for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash best of you. Thrivemarket.com slash best of you. Another thing, Allie, that I wanted to bring out about this event that happened at our Texas meetup, which is our second meetup, and this goes out to all the parents out there, is that I think the precipitating conversation was about, I think it was even before you got there, Janiana and Becky were talking about their kids. And I was actually very interested in hearing what it's like to be raising kids who are in, my kids are out of college now, but your kids are still in high school. And this I found must be true over and over again, that when we seek to parent our kids, we actually have to reparent ourselves from our past. And when we struggle with how to protect and nurture our kids, we actually have to learn new things that have to do with our own past. And I think anyone can take that as an opportunity, but it's delicate work. It is work that good therapist, good friend, you need a little help because it's complex because it's your kid, but it's also you. And it's the fears you have, but it's also the fears you have for your kids. Mm -hmm. It's sacred ground. You want to proceed cautiously, especially as you're bearing witness, right? We're bearing witness to each other. We're bearing witness to each other parenting. We're bearing witness to each other in some of our best and in some of our most complicated moments. And it is delicate. And that's where that safety comes in. And the thing to remember is when we're coming together, especially that first weekend where it's really vulnerable, each of us is coming into it 
with our own stuff from our own lives and lots of complicated stuff. I mean, between the four of us, we cover the gamut of anything that could happen to a family, to a kid, to a marriage, to a person, mentally, emotionally, physically. It's probably happened. Becky, if it's okay, if you're comfortable, I just remember you were coming in with your eldest daughter having a really serious medical concern. And you were, you came, Mm -hmm. but you were surfing that literally the whole time. Yes. My oldest had just been recently diagnosed with what looked like type one diabetes. So she had a blood sugar monitor on her and she would struggle with actually low blood sugars. And so as we were meeting for breakfast and then proceeding to go and look in a really, really cool bookstore together and have some conversation, my, the alarm on my phone that's connected to her Dexcom blood sugar monitor was going off and I was having to have some conversations with her from clear across the country. And man, though, did I feel also with you guys just, (laughs) I was getting support. I was getting a couple eyeballs of looking at me and just saying, is everything okay? And truly it brought about, again, some stuff that probably for me personally needed to be talked about. And that was that with some of these new health concerns or things in our kids' lives, you can't control everything. There's just hard things. It was so interesting to me because on the one hand, I was watching it and I was just like, women are so strong. I mean, moms can do anything. I mean, you're in Vermont, you're multitasking. We're actually having fun. We're bonding. And you're literally managing with your daughter her health. And then at the same time, we're all surfing that existential horror. Mm-hmm. And I use the word horror on purpose as a mom where you you actually can't right. fix it. You cannot. And she's old enough that you're having to figure out what's my boundary. Mm-hmm. What do I have to let her do versus what can I do as a mom? And I, it was just such a moment of, oh my gosh, this is life. This is what it means to be a woman and a mom and a modern mm. person. Yeah. I think what was striking to me is again, this modern life of we parent so much in isolation. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys feel that there's so much of what we're doing? And it's not that we don't have friends, but that weekend where we're really literally witnessing each other in the moment, especially with you, Becky, because it was such an immediate need, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's that vulnerability of we're watching you be in the immediate need with your daughter in that moment. And that takes a lot of safety again. But also, I would imagine there's also a sense of not feeling alone in that. Right. Again, it wasn't like I could pretend that everything was okay. (laughs) You know, when I'm in certain settings, I feel like I have to put myself together and act like I've got everything under control with that. And it's false. It's an illusion. (laughs) So with that, with you, with everyone, I was able to just say, this is really hard. And it was just going to be hard. And you saw it. And we saw (laughs) it. You saw it. All all of my cool, calm, collectedness. You're gone. Yes, my watch, my phone. Yeah. (laughs) And I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it takes another layer off, right? But I think that that's one of the things about this kind of friendship that's so valuable is it that it is a place that you can be weak. And that that's actually super needed. Like we just really need a place to be weak and honest and not necessarily agreed with, but because it's safe and we're unconditionally accepted, we can disagree and it can be even life-giving. I don't know. Those two things, being able to be disagreed with in a safe place and then also to be fully weak. Both of those things I think are present in these current relationships and a huge gift and something a person should should not rest until they find somewhere with somebody. 
Well, because I believe you guys will tell me the truth. We'll tell you the truth while loving, while exactly yes. being there with yes. you while you're yes. with the phone in the middle of the night going, this is awful. And she's yes. this old. And yeah, how do we figure this yes. out together? Yeah. And if I could tell my 40-year-old self about this, I would say to my 40-year-old self, when you're about to go through divorce, you need to get your friends on the phone and talk to them about it and not be ashamed and not try to keep up a friend and not just be all tough and strong, but go ahead and show people your weakness and your fear. I mean, I found a couple ways to do that during that time, but if I had had what we have now with you guys, it would have been so much better. I would have gotten truthfully, you guys, I would have gotten support from you guys, but that was before I knew that this kind of vulnerability and authenticity could exist. And that's my advice to anyone, and especially to, I wish I could go back and tell my younger self that. I think that it not only is something I would tell to my younger self, but it's where I communicate from when I am encouraging my kids to seek after, to embody and look for this kind of connection and transparency Because I've seen that it's possible, it's not just a desire that's going to remain unmet physically in this world. I've started pushing hard on them to hope and not give up on finding that and to put the work in to to become a safe place for other people and look for it, wait for it patiently, but also really prioritize looking for that in people in their lives. And I would add to that, and I want to be a little careful because I want to make sure we honor one of your children's privacy, but I have watched you clearly having success because one of your fabulously brilliant daughters (laughs) took an opportunity when you and I were with her having breakfast recently to ask quite interesting and vulnerable and really important questions for a teenage kid. And it was very clear that she knew that she had a moment where she had her mom, but she also had kind of a safe friend who might have a different point of view and that they were going to be coherent and she was going to get good information. Again, it reminds me of, oh my gosh, it's so much better to not have to parent in isolation because this kid got two women talking to her, not just one. You got to enjoy your child being able to interact with someone else. And oh, I, yeah. think, I think she was fine. You tell me, but <laughs> and so it's like we're paying it forward now to our kids and you use the word hope. I hope I get to do that with somebody, maybe with Becky's kids mm-hmm. or Allison's kids. It was just such a neat thing to start to see us build it for the next generation. Yes. Absolutely. So it kind of compounds. Is that the word? So what we've been given, we can kind of just build on and pass. Love multiplies. It bleeds. Compounds is a good word. And I think that's a benchmark of a really safe, healthy set of friendships, which again, we've always had, like, we all have our own independent friends. We have all of our own lives. It multiplies out into the rest of the world. It becomes that foundation from which more goodness, more love overflows into the rest of our relationships, into the rest of the world. That's the beauty of friendship. It multiplies out. Healthy friendships are not confining. They're not clicky. They're ones that create more goodness for others. And I would say this has also given me, I'm much quicker to take those risks with others as well. Not with an expectation of necessarily making this level of foundational connection, but just as a way of operating with people, I feel my being seen and known by you guys has given me courage to just be even more transparent with the people that I have different levels of friendships with. And I think it just, it does, it just, it keeps on spreading 
And again, it's not me. It's just being able to live more wholly, which is what this friendship does. Same. Makes me a better friend to even just the casual friendships, you know? It's exponential. It's reminding me of that old song we would sing at Camp Essel. It only (laughs) takes a spark. I know. My favorite. And soon, so many others will warm up in its glow. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Which, by the way, I learned recently that Becky did unseat you as the scripture memory champion. What? Becky, no. That was my one claim to championship. What are you saying? You took my record. I memorized some of the shortest verses ever. And I think that you probably had like Jesus wept. I mean, I feel like you're just being nice. No, I really am not. I I think that was my goal for one of my entire camp. Like I did nothing else that week, but memorize scripture verses. It's because you're a competitor. It was, yeah. Your name was renowned, Courtney, at Camp Bubble. It still is. This is unfair, though, because you have trophies at Sheridan High School you for know. athletics, and then you took my Camp Bethel <laughs> scripture memory verse trophy. It's just unjust. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> I feel honestly joking on the scripture memory verse, but I, I do want to also acknowledge that, and because I, I do think it's important in this great time of sort of national divide or discord, that you guys are a little closer in inside the church than I am. And it has been enormously healing to me to have, I mean, it hasn't even been, it's not even an awkward. It's just, you just give me the light of love of Jesus Christ as a part of the way you talk to me. And it, we never even really even had to talk about some of the differences of faith. And it's because the core ones are shared and we actually don't have these big differences that people might think we have. But I think the three of you have done a really beautiful job at that. And I just want to thank you for that because it's it makes it easier for me to go back to church when I need to or to reach out to other Christians when I need to because you guys have made that safe for me. We've definitely discovered there's more commonalities than differences. And I think that is a little bit of a symbolic gesture for the country. You know, if people actually got together face to face in person, they would probably find that there are a lot more similarities than what everyone wants to say. All right. So as we close, I kind of want to ask this question, but we might have already covered it. We've covered a lot, but I like the question. So what would you want your younger self to know about friendships? Like, let's say your 20, 25-year-old self. Courtney, you already kind of answered it for your 40-year-old self. What would you want your younger self to know about friendships then that you know now? Oh, that you can trust it. By the time I was mid-20s, I was jaded and felt betrayed by a lot of people. And I think you got to trust your friends and it's okay to do it. And you'll be glad you did. I think my 20-year-old self, I'd like to say it's so important to be yourself and the people who are okay with who you are are going to be there for you. I'm not sure exactly how to say this, but I felt like I needed to trust myself figuring out exactly who I was so I could be a good friend to others and then also then receive friendship. I think all of those things were going on at the same time. So I guess I would say get after it because it's hard and scary. It's hard, but it was hard anyway. So hard and productive is what I would say. And, and that you can be purposeful about, like, I I really so appreciate Allison, your devotion to getting tools to your listeners, because it's not necessarily the bottom line truth piece that we're unaware of, but like how to implement that into my life. And I have gained so much from listening and yeah. So the tools are out there start implementing them and get after the growth. Mm. 
Hard agree. Hard agree. agree. It, it takes tools. It's okay to practice and try it. I would say for me, I haven't answered this question, but I kind of want to. I, I was just thinking, I think for me, and I've written about this, but I so took on this idea that my job was to be everybody else's best friend, you know, be that safe person for everybody else. And I, I'm noticing as I'm with you guys, there's a part of me that is wondering what it would have been like for my 25-year-old self to think, what if you just get to be you and get to work on yourself and your job in life isn't to make sure everybody else is okay? Because I don't think she knew that. I think she thought that was a little bit of her role in life. So... You know, Allie, it's funny that you say this and you can cut it out if you want, but it, w- it was really fun in Texas, I think, and I think I speak for all of us, to get to see you looking sharp and being really smart and being out there in, in, in the world of your podcast and then getting to giggle and be with Allie and how you and Becky always walk about three steps behind Jenny Ann and I <laughs> when we go places. Yes. I just want to endorse like you being able to move between sort of the vulnerable self and the person who is an expert, a bona fide expert. It's a great example of what we're talking about is being able to have both. We need, we all need to be both, right? We need to give and to receive, you know? When I'm with the four of you, I'm like, we're all experts. And that's always been my, I mean, it's in part because of this group that I don't ever have this fancy idea of what it means to be wise. Wisdom comes in many shapes and forms. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for you guys and all the wisdom that you've shared and all the goodness you're putting into the world. And thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. Thanks, Allison. You too. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Allison. Love you. We love you. I love you guys. I love you. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Best of You. It would mean so much if you take a moment to subscribe. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click the plus or follow button. That will ensure you don't miss an episode and it helps get the word out to others. While you're there, I'd love it if you leave your five-star review. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, you honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.